0: back everyone to another brand new episode of the Define University podcast. My name is Lindsay Titus and I'm so excited to dive into today's conversation. Today's guest is um, clearly new to the podcast. However, um, I have been following him on social media for quite some time. So I'm super excited to dive in, um, talking about leadership, student voice, kind of all things meshed together. I know it's going to be an amazing conversation, so stay tuned. But without further ado, um, I'd love to introduce Jamie Brown to the podcast. Jamie, Sink, thanks so much for coming on today.
1: I am so excited to be here. I really appreciate your time and having me. I've been waiting for a while to get on this one. This is a great podcast. I've been uh, listening for a while, and I, I just love you know, people you're bringing in here, all these rock star educators and and the commentary and and what y'all are sharing. So thank you. I feel like I'm in great company. appreciate it. Humbled.
0: Absolutely. I know I'm so excited to dive in and we're just, we're going to just, we're going to do that right. Right before I hit record, I said, we're just going to see what goes. And That's what I love about this show is, you know, it's not always scripted. It's well, with guests, it's never scripted. I can say that. Um, but it's never, you know, we just kind of like see what comes. And that's the beauty of, I think, you know, living authentically is truly allowing ourselves to just be who we are, which I know is this like huge concept, right? I mean, that's where Define You ultimately came from. And So, Jamie, I would just love for you to start, you know, if if listeners aren't connected with you yet, kind of don't know your story, don't know about you. Can you just share a little bit of, you know, insight into, you know, who is Jamie Brown?
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, Jamie Brown was not planning on being an educator. Um, (laughs) I'm uh, actually a professional musician as well. I've been doing both education and musicianship for over 20 years, grew up on the Jersey Shore and uh, graduated in May of 2001. I was planning on working for Rolling Stone magazine, a friend of mine who graduated in 2000, got a job there. And I think I was going to be interning, working in the mailroom or something, but she got me an interview in August of 2001, got a couple of callbacks. And then after Labor Day, uh, I was supposed to be on a final interview with a couple other people. Uh, September 11th happened and I was right outside of New York City, changed my whole world. Um, Obviously, you know, I wasn't personally affected other than living in the area, but um, working in the city just wasn't an option in that moment. And my entire family are educators. So, you know, family was like, you got to make some money <laughs> and uh, started substitute teaching. Little by little, I just kind of fell into, you know, being so close to, I was uh, subbing at my old high school, working with 18 year olds. at 22. I just kind of fell in love with just relationship building, you know, building that rapport I was able to connect really easily and, and with music, obviously, it speaks the soundtrack of teenagers. So uh, I just kind of happened to just go back, you know, get my get my license, do it. And I've been doing it for 20 years and uh, I, I've had a, a unique path of working specifically in student leadership, being a uh, district wide peer leadership uh, director for one of the largest high schools and districts in New Jersey for over 15 years. And I uh, went into administration right before COVID, became a high school VP five months before it hit. Uh, then we decided, me and my fam, to just pack everything up, move to Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. We came down south. And uh, I did some district administration for the first time last year. Now I'm back in the building at a a, a incredible high school, Bluffton High School, Beaufort County School Districts, like I said, right outside of Hilton Head, uh, South Carolina. And it's it's been incredible just focusing on student leadership, like, you know, just making connections, trying to create school culture and climates to be positive and, and inclusive and trying to just help everybody that I can do that for them?
0: I I mean, I love so much of, of your story because it is, it's like, it's that pure example that we can't always plan things, right? We can have goals, we can have dreams, we can have these visions, Um, but I always, you know, share, it's like, we have to also live for today, right? Because we don't ever know what's going to happen. And, you know, it's interesting, like you headed into administration right before COVID, I was immediately post COVID, um, I finished my coursework during the pandemic. And, you know, it's just such, it's been a ride, right? <laughs> um, but one, I wouldn't, you know, trade for, for anything. But I love, I love that your lens is student leadership, because unfortunately, it's not something we hear all that much about. You know, we hear adult leadership, we hear administration, we hear leaders, teachers are leaders, and that's absolutely true. But if we think of probably, you know, the biggest stakeholder group in a school, it's always going to be the students, Right so yeah so thinking about that kind of where do you where does like one even begin like thinking even Mm -hmm. having a lens of students as leaders right student leadership um so somebody kind of asked that like jamie where do i even start what is what's something that you usually you know share with educators
1: yeah it's it's an incredible question and it is the question that is popping up all over social lately and uh just to kind of rewind before I even get to that answer, you know, it was at first for me during COVID, you know, schools I've been working with, um, schools that I've already worked with back home, my own district, it was, I was looking at it as we always say, let's develop the whole child, right? And we kind of put the educator to the side. And I think the pandemic, you know, did not create mental health. It did for some, but it, it just kind of amplified and put a microscope And a magnifying lens on what was already there in education right now i feel like we're finally having conversations we need to have that aren't just curriculum based and it's you know the well-being of not just students but the adults in the building right so my 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 mantra in schools that i've been answering that question with lately has been you know we got to build up the whole teacher first if we're ever going to have a chance to develop the whole child So I've kind of worked right now, you know, I I would say that we need to find educators in a space and that could be counselors, administrators, obviously classroom teachers, club advisors who are still fighting, you know, to keep the fire burning, you know, that passion lit, um, that maybe had it pre COVID and that are maybe even new to the space. I love getting new educators that just come in, you know, age aside, doesn't matter. But if it's their first experience, those are the teachers that I start with and say, listen, I want I want you to, to carry the banner for me. I want you to be holding the flag right from jump. And I get them excited. I get them motivated. That would be my number one for any school looking to just start these conversations. Um, two, I would say, don't fall trapped to saying, I already have a leadership program. That is like the stamp of it's almost the same as when adult educators, we say, you know, especially as administrators, as we say, this is how we've always done it. That I just want to rip up the paper and let's start over kind of thing. Not to not to mock it, but um, a lot of schools that I work with, you know, they'll say, oh, no, we're good. You know, we don't need to have a conversation. We already have a peer program. We have student council. We have NHS Interact, JROTC, all incredible programs. And we were one of them at my old school as well. So to those schools, I would start because the majority of 612 schools have those in in on paper, at least right in the program, I say, um, how do you how do you elevate them? What can you do to ignite them and take them to the next level? That that's where I would start, because everybody does have at least at a high school level has the leadership programs that have been intact. Start with the word complacency. Anytime I walk into a school or I work with an administration group, you know, leadership group, even on a Zoom in the background, I'll have that word on there. And I start there. Like, how are we being complacent with our leadership? And, you know, the the thesis when we're talking about student leadership with schools is if you want to maintain your staff, keep them motivated, keep the culture positive, that would be the number one way to do it now. You know, and we haven't done it again. Everyone seems to be open to new things. And I I have lived it. I think that student leadership is the number one answer for all schools, because if you can get the students to be behaving and leading with their voice, you know, all of the frustrations that teachers feel and rightfully so in a classroom, all the burden that an administrator, you know, you know, we feel on a daily basis, we stop talking about I walk in every day and have to deal with discipline. And I'm dealing with you know service, service learning, and 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 civil leadership through the student body, and that's when you see a culture and climate change. And I, and I again, I've lived it. Um, I worked at Oldbridge High School, Oldbridge Township, New Jersey, right outside of Rutgers. And shout out to those guys because they're still doing it. And, um, you know, back in the like 06, we were struggling in school. You know, just socially, emotionally. Discipline wise, chronic absenteeism, tardies, lates, GPA low, coming to school. Because we had a mixed uh, population of students, a massive demographic. We had about thirty five hundred high school students, and we were a nine through twelve building. Ninth graders were separated in their own building. Ten through twelve on a main campus. We had a school district of almost twenty thousand. We had twelve elementary schools, two middle schools. A ninth grade building and a main campus at ten to twelve. So we were struggling with those things, and um, you know, Vinny Sasso, who should be national principal of the year in my opinion, Dave Cittadino, that superintendent. He's they're both rock stars. Um, they decided to flip the script, and they are the ones that introduced to me character education. You know, this culture and climate. You know, we need to kind of talk about relationships and compassion before we can talk about rigor and curriculum. And ever since then, when we flipped that up and they gave me the keys to create a peer program that was existent, but complacent in terms of just like all student leadership you normally see it's like you go down to the freshman once a week or once a month, do a team building activity for 40 minutes, which is great. You know, I compare it to, you know, Houston Craft, Character uh, character Strong, and calls that confetti kindness. It's, it's good, but it's, again, the baseline. And um, when I took the student leadership to the next level, and it was all student-driven, student-centered. Everything that we did, it was real. It was the kids mentoring each other. If you don't have that in your building, even if you have those leadership programs in place, and it doesn't sound like the students are leading the charge, from assemblies, from tutoring, to training, to service learning projects in and out of the community, there's room for growth, there's room for improvement. And if you do that, I can guarantee you, you will retain staff well over 95 to 98% year after year, and you will have people wanting to jump ship and come to your district and work for you. Because when you see students doing special things like that, across the board, it, it makes coming to work uh, a, a non-issue, you know, you don't even question it.
0: Sense, right. And I think that's what you know, just listening to you talk, like one of the things that, um, again, and we've, we've kind of talked on social media, how, how aligned we are in a lot of our philosophies, mm-hmm. a lot of what we advocate for. And, you know, one of the things that for me came out of the pandemic was very similar to the whole teacher, right? I, was, I, I, it was, you know, it takes a whole teacher to reach the whole student. And mm-hmm. that's been, that's been so important to me because I never felt whole. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know I was, I was capable of it. And ultimately, that's where Define University came from, right? It's like, I went mm-hmm. through the process. I now teach the process. But I think even more than that, what i heard is, you know, celebrate where you are, right? Like right now, as a teacher, celebrate what you're doing, celebrate what your school is doing, even if it is the basic, even if it's just thoughts on paper. I think so often we hear these initiatives, we hear these ideas, they, they seem really great. And we get really down on, oh, we haven't, why haven't we thought of that yet? Man, we're behind the eight ball. We haven't done that yet. There's too big of a gap. And I'm the opposite now. I'm okay. But where are we? We can focus all day long on what we haven't done yet, what we didn't get mm-hmm. to, what we, you know, are are behind on. And I just don't believe it anymore because what does mm-hmm. that bring us that that doesn't serve me? Right. Whereas mm-hmm. if I think about, okay, this is where we're at. And I like, how do we elevate it? How do we take that next step? I love, you know, stair-step analogies for that reason. It's like, what's the ultimate goal? Amazing. Where are we now? Amazing, right? Celebrate where you are. And then what step are we going to take along the way? Because it's, we've got, you know, a couple different choices, right? We can get down or we can take that step forward. Um, And I just think that that act of celebration and for where you are without shame, guilt, any of those emotions. Is just so key. Um, do you see that like in the line of work that you're doing and and what kind of encouragement, I guess, do you give educators to be OK celebrating where they are today?
1: I see it every day, you know, in, you know, where you see it where you work all the time, you know, on small scales, even in my own self, as well as, again, the schools that I've connected with so far through you know, Jimmy Brown leadership. It's a couple of things that I see repeating itself, I think. It became, especially in the pandemic, since we were all virtual, right, everyone was on social, I think it became very easy to buy into the narrative of, this can't get any better, I I shouldn't want to do this anymore, in terms of education. Um, Again, not, you know, um, respecting people's feelings and sentiments, but, you know, it became very easy to buy in, you know, and that's human nature. Uh, I think that There's this scare tactic of can we take time now because everyone's saying oh my gosh we have to play catch up academically with students which is true, but I think some some educators some schools districts even as a whole we're just nervous to say how can we take away more time now and focus on well being and making sure everyone's okay like I got to I missed two years of education I got you know. Uh, a 10th grader who's never even stepped foot in my high school yet. i am if, if I'd probably be the wrong person for anyone to talk to as an educa- educator uh, or a, a helper coming into a school, because for me, I think, you know, compassion lies underneath curriculum relationships lie underneath rigor. You cannot teach the content to a student who doesn't connect with you. Just like as an administrator, I cannot get through, to a teacher who does not authentically buy into what I'm selling. And you know, I think if we can just take a breath and and say okay, that narrative's out there and again, I get that it's hard to be an educator today. I get that things aren't the way it used to be. I get that the demands are different. I get that, you know, your time is not where it needs to be all the time anymore, but that's the nature of the beast. And at some point you got to kind of dig your feet in the ground and say, okay, this is it. I'm done with the, I don't want to say excuses, but I'm done listening to the negative rhetoric. It's either I'm here or I'm not. And, you know, again, I tell any educator that I speak to is on the fence. I said, if you need to go, I'd respect it. If I were your, if I were your leader, I completely understand because in the same breath, you you can't have people who don't want to be on board fighting the battles with you. And that's the same conversation I have with a student. You know, if you're not going to meet me halfway, I'm not going to hold your hand because I'm teaching you nothing. I'm not going to be a crutch. Kids hate me in the moment. They love me in the long run. And I just, I believe in that mantra that if you teach accountability and you stay positive and you build intentional relationships first, whether it's with a student or an adult parent community member, in the end, your school will get through this paradigm shift of, you know, shortages and and toxicity and negative energy and, and question, question marks, I guess. You know, I feel like every school now they could take their logo off their mascot and put a question mark of like, are we going to get through this? And, I, and again, I understand it. But I think for those schools, for those educators, I don't care how well you dressed you are in the morning. I don't care if you're in a suit and tie. I don't care if you're in front of the room with a Harvard PhD. And I don't care if you've memorized the curriculum verbatim. If a child is sitting in your room and does not believe in you, if a teacher is sitting in a staff meeting and they do not believe in you, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. It's just not because the reality is is especially at a teenager level, I've been in high school my whole career. A high schooler can go on social media today and learn just as much online as they can in the classroom. So you've gotta you gotta be a salesman just as much as an educator, you know, in terms of let, believe what I'm teaching you is worth more, you know, and you got to make it that. And again, that's where for me, it comes back to student leadership. You know, I, I was, you know, able to get buy-in from my superintendent to tell him, let's create a course that is a student leadership course where these kids spend three years in high school working towards, you know, applying for my program just as much they would as sport. Give them credit in class. They take it and let them lead the charge. And we created this cycle of student leadership filtering in and out of a school district that was the third largest in New Jersey. And we went from, you know, grade slipping, chronic absenteeism, all those negative discipline stuff, fights we even had, you know, <laughs> you can Google us in the news and, and see what we dealt with in terms of tragedy. Um, And we became a a state national high school and school district of character from character.org. And the proof is in the pudding. So to those schools and those leaders who doubt it, or just say, I have no idea how to start it. I'd love to have conversations with them and just show them the blueprint, but starts with finding them one motivated teacher and little by little building that, that army, getting them on that energy bus. And same with the students. And I think, The other mistake that 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 schools make when they have these programs already in place again at that high school level and they get complacent is that they don't reach out to more, you know, especially right now, I think. And again, as an administrator, it's very easy to say right now, if you said, James, find me, I need to get this bulletin board done for a fundraiser. We're going to have a Thursday night and I need to organize it. You and I both know the three people we can call right now, they'll get it done and I don't have to worry about it. But there's nobody else. If those three are absent, those three are sick, who do I go to? The event probably doesn't run. And I think that's where a lot of schools have been for so long. And now if they can expand that view and the lens – and bring more people on the bus, it's just going to lead. And that's why if you have student leadership in your building, you take that concern away because I don't need to worry about the teachers anymore. I got those 10 kids who are going to get 10 more kids and get 10 more kids. And if you use social media as a branding tool and teach kids how to use it to be good citizenship citizens on and offline, they do the work for you nowadays and you're teaching them how to, you know, market themselves, market the school, market their club, market their program, market the event. And I think those are those are curriculums that they need to be learning and then using hands-on applications in nowadays. I
0: that i that I well, so many things I thought of. but two that I want to touch on, one is is this, um, I completely agree in the, you know, compassion before curriculum, you know, relationships before rigor. but something i I think is so important to share, too is, to be ready for the shift. Right. So it is, I think sometimes, um, and again, I'm more speaking just from my own, you know, my own experience, experience of educators I've coached. It's, it's, we get in this like either or mentality, right? It's like, I can only do this or that, right? So it's compassion or curriculum, you know, relationships mm-hmm. or rigor. And I just caution, you know, anybody to get stuck in that or land, because you're going to feel like you have to make a choice. And anytime we have to make that choice, we feel like one is right, one's wrong. And it's ultimately, there will be this natural shift where it's like, yes, I'm going to emphasize uh, my energy is going to pour into compassion. I'm still teaching. Though. I'm still doing the curriculum, but the energy I bring is the key difference. You know, and then as I shift, as I've got them hooked, as they become leaders, right? They being the students, then it becomes the compassion still there. But now more energy is maybe on the modification differentiation, right? Really allowing that mastery of the content. And so, and the hard part is there's no timeline for that. It's not like by February 1st, you should be here. I mean, there's, (laughs) there's maps, right? There's pacing maps, which is a whole other conversation that I don't always align with. Um, But I think it's just really important to, you know, recognize that this is the authenticity you bring into the position, right? It's your way to do this. And some students... You're gonna be working on compassion the whole year. Other students, you're gonna work on it the first week, and they're gonna have you're gonna have them hooked, and and there you go. Um, but something you said is really important, especially for kids. I can't hold their hand, you know. I can't do it for them, right? I can be there with them, and that's what I say to so some of my students. You know, I work with. You know, is I I can believe in you 150. percent Like my belief in what you're capable of, that that's like the, there's no amount of that. So, but I can't do it for you. I can't mm-hmm. put in more energy to get something accomplished than you. So we've got to, we've got to work together on that part. My hope is I'm going to raise your belief as you see what you're able to, to do. I'm going to increase your confidence, but I can't do it for you. I'll I'll work with you every step of the way and then slowly, you know, become less, you know, dependent on me. But it's just such an important conversation, especially with our older students, to increase their confidence, increase that that level of success mm-hmm. for whatever that means for them. I think it's so important to help students define what is successful for them. I know what my definition is, but it could be very different to another family, to another student. And I think these are just they're they're great conversations to have. So you truly know where am I going? What's my direction? Right? Does that does that kind of align to to what you were speaking about?
1: Absolutely. I think you I think you nailed it on the headlines. Is that you know we can't be afraid to embrace failure, not only in ourselves but as a teachable moment. To a student or an adult, you know, again, in an observation or whatever the case may be, if you're in administration, I think that will will dish out failure, you know, again, as a discipline referral, um, a student is failing a class for the semester, whatever the case may be, but I think where a piece is missing in that conversation about what you're talking about, that empathy piece is that it's got to also be a follow-up teachable moment. I think that in education, we just say, all right, if they fail the course like that's it, I don't talk to them about it. I don't walk them through. How do you, how do you jump over that hump the next time? Right. It's just like, okay, you can repeat the class or you get suspended for five days and then you come back and we'll see if they repeat it again. Like we'll address the behavior, but not the child, you know, like if I kick a kid out of class, all right, I've removed the behavior for a moment, but I haven't addressed the, the, the student and why that behavior happened. And I'm having you know, conversations. And again, what I learned when I was running my peer program, I was, we were doing it at a great um, success rate at the high school level. But the students, as I empowered them with those leadership skills and that my whole program and curriculum was all about that every class, that's what we learned. They brought to me one day out of nowhere. It was 2012, 2013. I'll never forget it. And they said, "You know, we're helping ourselves, Mr. Brown, but these problems are are before us. Before they get to the high school, why aren't we helping other people?" It was the most satisfying day. I talk about it in the book that I that I'm writing. It's it was such a moment where it was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like not anything for me. Kudos, but I was like. Validation like, okay, this program's working and these kids are getting it. And that moment, we ended up going and creating a district wide peer leadership program where we had kindness ambassadors in elementary, uh, character ambassadors in the middle, ninth grade peer ambassadors in the ninth grade academy, and then our peer leadership program. And we shifted first in that sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And again, Anything I could tell anybody who hears this, if you are looking for leadership, if you're looking to address any type of change the culture in my school, start with middle school. We ended up creating my proud moment, uh, except university. It's a sixth, seventh and eighth grade character ed, SEL infused presentation series that when I bring it out to schools and when I did it in my own district, it's something where I trained student leaders in the building. I go out to other schools first, and they help lead these presentation series. We talk about the ins and outs of transitioning from elementary to middle. How do I get to class bell to bell? Find my bus to how do I fit in seventh grade? We talk about citizenship on and offline. I don't, I never talk about cyberbullying ever when I talk about social media because we're on social media as adults every single second of our lives. So it's 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 not right for us to tell them not to be on it. So what we do is we talk about branding, digital branding, digital resumes. How do you use social to connect with the community and partner with them in your district? And then eighth grade, we created this full day leadership retreat to just have students find themselves this journey of self-discovery And that, except university. When I bring it to schools and we spend a day together, it, it changes everything in terms of students believing in themselves and one of the main focal points is by bringing up is we talk about failures in life failures that we didn't necessarily ask for parents divorce loss of life you know family lost jobs incarceration addiction to failures in school failures as an educator and teachers and counselors and the principals will join in on these presentations and it's just an incredible event and that has changed everything for the school district that i was working on and you know now in south carolina it's what i'm trying to do in my own district but the failure piece is, is what you're talking about i feel like and if they can embrace that i feel like the compassion and empathy if you if you do it every day which you should be and I, that's what scared me about the pandemic is like people who are like why do we have to do SEL now on character ed like i don't get it. i was like what what have you been doing you know um you do it every day without even knowing it just by standing outside your classroom door and greeting kids, right? Saying hello on the bus lines to to parents who are dropping off kids. I feel like if you spend a little bit of time on that every day, this is my point, you will have more time to get through more curriculum than you've ever had in the past before. If you can embrace this on a small scale. I mean, it
0: makes so much sense. Um, And I think it's you know, so important. I'm listening to you and I'm I'm like, man, I think I think we're gonna bring you back for a part two. <laughs> Cause I awesome. think we could awesome. I think we could dive into so much. Um, but I think the piece I wanna end with is something you you said that I I actively try and do every day as an AP, and that is to teach students the why behind their behavior. Right. It's not when I took that position, it wasn't I, I knew in my head, um, based on you know, my my 16 plus years before I started that role is I'm not going to be okay calling a student in, reviewing a referral saying, "Here's your consequence, see you later." Like I just knew that wasn't going to be me and I wanted more. So, you know, they and students now know, unless they're coming to me for the first time, they they know it's going to be a conversation. They know they're going to leave with strategies, they know they're going to leave with skills. And, you know, I I went even I put the picture of an iceberg right on the desk that or on the table that I meet with students at because they know we'll spend a minute talking about what you actually did. Like I can read that on the paper, but I wanna go underneath the iceberg. And so they know that's the number one question I'm gonna ask them, what's underneath the iceberg? What's underneath the reason you swore in class or, or you know whatever it was, skipped class and like, whatever it is, okay, you did that, we'll own it, we'll move forward, but let's go underneath because if I don't do that, you're just gonna keep doing it because it served a need, right? It solved a problem. That's what I believe about behavior. And I think it's that simple shift of literally putting the visual on my table. They know when they're coming in, they're going to have a conversation and it's not just going to be a, what's my, what, what is it? What's my consequence? Um, Because that, that doesn't work for me. Right. And I think, again, it has to be authentic to you. Um, And it doesn't mean I don't do traditional discipline at times. There's times where, you know, that is, you know, but it's never just that, right. It's always skill development plus something or, you know, this plus that, because there's got to be a teaching component, otherwise they're just coming back. <laughs> and, Absolutely. you know, I want them to come back for skill development, not for the problem behavior, right? So I think yeah. it is, you nailed it. It's those simple steps, those small, mm-hmm. simple steps. So I always say small, simple, and strategic, make it work for you and the situation you're in um, that I think is just so important, right?
1: Absolutely. I love it. Cause that's, that's my mantra. And where except university that presentation was born is that I, the main point of it is on my, on my wall, of my office is a iceberg. And I always talk about going below the waterline. So I love that so much. And, you know, kudos to you and every AP that's listening to this uh, you know, you have an opportunity as an AP, I feel like in a building, no matter what level to truly model how to build relationships with kids who, Struggle to build relationships, you know. And I always feel like if a teacher or an administrator would just ask the question, "What happened to you in school with an educator that makes you feel this way when you're in this building?" We don't want the answer sometimes, and I feel like it's why we don't ask the question. But if we did every single time, you know, we you'd, you'd have a breakthrough with every single child that that's struggling, you know, because ninety nine percent of those times has nothing to do with the content you're teaching right it's it's what they're walking into the building with you know that emotional baggage where they just need someone to hear them you know it's that simple if you hear them you see them and then you finally celebrate them you know and it's 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 a simple recipe nobody's nobody's breaking ground here it's that but it's time and it's effort and i think that's where the 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 pushback is right now and, and i get it you know from an educator standpoint you know that's we don't have it to give but we to figure it out if we're going to be successful and put the child first. So
0: I'm going to share. So at the end of every episode, Jamie, I always do, uh, well, I started recently doing a defining moment. So I'm going to share that in just a second. But before I do that, I want to make sure um, the listeners of this show can connect with you, can learn all about you. So what is the best place for them to go? Um, I will put it in the show notes, but I always love for you to share it out as well.
1: I appreciate it. Yeah. So everything I'm on every social link. So if you go to jamiebrownleadership.com, that's my handle on Instagram. Twitter is, Twitter is leadership underscore JB, but everything else, uh, Instagram, Facebook, my Facebook group, uh, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn is jamiebrownleadership. And, uh, you know, just be on the lookout. My book's coming out uh, hopefully before this summer. I'm with Road to Awesome Publishing. Big, huge shout out to my man, my mentor, Dr. Darren Pepper and my other leadership coach, Dr. Brandon Beck. So I got to, got to put them forth. That's where you can find me.
0: Those uh, Gentlemen, mm-hmm. um, they are amazing. I'm in a group with Darren yeah. and uh, Brandon and I actually got to meet at the uh, Teach Better. I mean, I bet, met both of them in October um, at the yeah. Teach Better conference, amazing individuals. So yes, yeah. shout out to Darren and Brandon for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So I think we're, I'm going to go on the, on the nature. There's so many moments I could go with, but I think we're going to go with the iceberg since that's kind of what we finished with. And to me, it is that it's an easy way. So if you are listening, your defining moment for this week, something to put into application, right? You can listen to me all day long. You can listen to Jamie and I, but you will only hear us. (laughs) We want you to go take action, um, take aligned action. So with that concept of the iceberg, right? What's underneath the surface, what's below the water, all of those pieces. Think about that as you are working with a student this week um you know print out a picture use it as your visual reminder to ask the questions to go a little bit deeper even if it's just one you know one kind of layer deeper we don't have to go all the way to bottom in one conversation i do hear that from people like i don't know if i'm able what if they unpack all these things and i'm not ready start small right start with one question that leads to two that leads to three and know at all times if you get a question from a student or you get a student sharing something that you don't know the answer to that's your authentic answer. I'm not really sure. Wow, that sounds like a lot. You know, you validate and then you say, and I will find somebody that is able to unpack that a little bit deeper with you, or I will find someone to connect you with. You don't have to know all the answers when we ask the question. So that is uh, the defining moment I wanna leave you with this week is to put that iceberg into application, reach out, let us know how it went for you. Let us know what questions you have and certainly share out the podcast. Um, Jamie, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, It has really been a blast.
1: I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you.
0: All right, you guys. So keep on loving who you are, trusting who you are, owning who you are. Those will help you define who you are each and every day. Get out there, have an amazing week ahead, and I will talk to you soon.
1: This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. We will see you on the next episode.